get into it, but today, the very special <laughs> guest across the table from me, um, Sean Halcrow, an Associate Professor in the Anatomy Department of the University of Otago. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. This morning, I was on spin-off. I'd arrived at one of my classes embarrassingly early, uh, so I had to kind of perch outside, have a look, and I saw this article come up um, titled Why It's Not Okay for Human Skeletal Remains to Figure in NZ Freemason Rituals. <laughs> and with a, fr- a few like buzzwords like that, you know I'm going to click on it. It's almost clickbaity at this point. <laughs> um, I clicked on it, had a wee read, and saw that Sean was at the University of Otago. So I've got her in today to have a wee bit of a chat about this article um, and about kind of the ethics surrounding um, owning and using human remains in these ritual practices. And, and a wee bit more, we're going to be talking about um, koiwi tangata as well. Um, but just to go back a wee bit, what's your research background at the University of Otago? Um, I'm a bioarchaeologist, so I look at human remains from archaeological sites really to tell their story. It's similar in a way to forensic anthropology um, and that we're trying to build up a picture of their life history, really. Mm. And we're asking anthropological questions about um, health change and dietary change in the past, trying to build up a picture of past people's lives and this is really important and it's got relevance today because we've got um, over half of the world's population living in poverty mm. and looking at actually the roots of how that emerged is is what my work essentially does. Oh, fantastic. Um, I work in Southeast Asia in the Pacific and I'm very interested in looking at ethical issues surrounding the nature of working with human remains mm. which is why I was very interested to hear about the case of human remains being stolen from the Nelson Masonic Lodge um, and what kind of gave me the impetus to, to write this piece for the spin-off. Yeah, so so how did those Freemason ceremonial practices in New Zealand first come to your attention? Has this been something that you've been interested in for a while? No, um, my father's actually a Freemason and because it's a, because it's a secret society, they can't or whatever, they can't yeah. actually tell other people non-members about what happens there Hmm. including some of these rituals so when I was reading the New Zealand Herald and I thought wait a minute they mean real human bones Mm. have been stolen and they talked about a skull and crossbones which meant that they had obviously a human skull and some Mm. long bones probably femurs the thigh bones I thought wait a minute they're so worried about you know this man obviously Um, Stealing them, which is obviously Mm. a a crime and it should be in the news, but no one's asking about why they've got those in the first place. And in the New Zealand context, um, we do need to think a lot about the cultural and spiritual um, values that we as New Zealanders place on human remains and whether it's actually still appropriate to have those yeah. for are, those purposes. Are there greater ethical considerations when it comes to skulls in comparison to, say, the early? Um, I think the skull is more emotive, obviously, because okay. it's mm. something as, as humans, we, we look and look at people and look at their facial structures mm. to identify them. So there's a lot of symbolism around the skull. Yeah. But, mm. say, from the Māori perspective, it would um, having other types of human remains would still be abhorrent within their okay. cultural framework. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you know what type of practices these human bones were being used in? Um, 
they are, um, as my understanding yeah. goes, and what I've looked at <laughs> Secret society, online, yeah. um, is they're kind of kept as a memento mori, which is really an object which is kept um, by a group or whatever as a reminder of the um, inevitability of death. And that's why they use the skull. Right. Um, and I've heard that they used in initiation processes. Okay. Um, and my mother actually told me today when she rang me up that my father said that they're also used when they have a passing of a Freemason. Mm. So um, I, I, there's nothing deviant yeah. about these yeah. rituals. Um, and it's something that's obviously historically developed. And it's probably got its roots in medieval period. Mm. Um, but I think we need to step back and kind of look at the use of human remains in modern, you know, bicultural uh, context in New Zealand. Yeah. Did and also the Human Tissues Act, and <laughs> you know, yeah. um, if it's relevant, f you know, depending on how old they are, and also the policies that we have around dealing with kōwiwi tangata, mm. because some of these could be Māori skeletal remains of, of kōwiwi tangata mm. Māori. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and in your practice, of course, because you're around bones all the time, aren't you, within the university? So how are you ensuring that uh, you maintain respect when you're dealing with the remnants of the deceased? What's the best practice for that? It's a great question and there are many ways in which we uh, attempt to do this. We need to adhere to the Human Tissues Act when we're mm. obviously dealing with cadavers. Um, uh, for example, a way in which we try and make uh, people, especially Māori, feel safe around um, dealing with human remains mm. is to have what's called a whakawātia, which is the clearing of the way. We have that at the start of each academic year um, where the human remains or cadavers are uh, blessed and the space is made safe culturally for all the students. Fantastic. Um, and we also have a code of conduct which all our students have to sign and this code of conduct talks about safety and about respect and dealing with human remains. You know, making sure that they're careful, you know, things like, you know, no food around them. You know, mm. um, no photos yeah, to be taken, yeah, yeah. and just really to be reminded that they're really they're real human remains, and they should be used carefully and respectfully. Yeah, and you did um, mention koiwi tangata just before, uh, and that is a really interesting aspect of this article that I wasn't fully aware of before I read it. So, could you talk through um, how these reparation reparations are being made? Um, in regards to some of these human remains formally being displayed um, that are of Māori descent or they've been sourced from Aotearoa and maybe we could talk a wee bit about what um, Rachel Wesley had to say from the Otago Museum too. Sure. Yeah, um, Rachel um, Wesley unfortunately couldn't make it here today. She's um, curator Māori over at the Otago Museum as you said um, and she talked about how iwi have been working with institutions over the last couple of decades to to ensure that kōiwi tangata held in their care are appropriate cared, appropriately cared for. And Kaitahu, um, for example, have a policy that's been adopted by uh, their major museums, mm. Um, mm. which spells out guidelines on how kōiwi should be stored and treated. Um, and that includes kōiwi from... Uh, Iwi in the area and also other other areas. 
um, and central to that policy is an understanding that the collecting and display of kōiwi is not appropriate. Um, In any circumstance? In any kind of no, context? No, okay. no, yeah, no context okay. in terms of um, the museum or teaching. Hmm. Um, they can obviously be stored, but they'll be stored okay. in a wahitapu, a special um, area space that's been set aside. Um, and all efforts are made to repatriate back to the source communities, and it's been done by all the major museums, including Otago Museum. Yeah, I mean, that is some of the work that, um, which was mentioned in the article, the yes. Karang Aotearoa yeah. uh, Repatriation yeah. Programme. Yeah. yeah, what kind of work are they doing at the moment? Sure, um, I talked with um, Amber Aranui. She is the repatriation researcher for that unit. She's been working for almost 10 years with them, um, and she works to uh, do repatriation internationally mm. as well as nationally. So they oh, do fantastic. all the research um, and they make contact with the um, overseas institutions or the, the national institutions for the repatriation or sometimes they actually have the institutions contacting them. And that's actually what happened for the Freemason Lodge in... Um, London, they actually proactively oh. repatriated the Kuiwi Tangata, so they actually wow. got in touch with with Amber Aranui. So this is, um, you know, some of the lodges may not have Kuiwi Tangata, mm. but um, I think it doesn't necessarily matter where they're from. Um, they still need to think about how they're dealing with the human remains, and in the case that they are Kawiwi Tangata, that they are actually very special yeah. um, in terms of Māori culture. Well, clearly, if that um, Masonic Lodge in London knew that they had Kawiwi bones, so are the Freemasons keeping some sort of record? Are there some some records of where they've sourced the bones yeah, from? So. Amber Aranui um, believes that the Freemason lodges in New Zealand and internationally may have some kind of record of the origins of the okay. human remains that they hold, and she does encourage them to make contact to repatriate those remains. And um, I talked with Garrett Jones, who's an anatomist and also works in ethics, dealing with human remains, and he said that the Freemasons should actually talk with, if they have got real human remains, they should talk with police in the first okay. instance, hmm. um, biological anthropologists and iwi about what to do with them. And I've heard from a colleague that um, from one of the lodges they actually um, cremated some of the remains uh, recently. So, and I'm not sure what led up to that. Okay. Um, but it is possible sometimes to tell whether they they are kōiwi tangata Māori. Yeah. Or, could or you tell? If yes. You, okay. Okay. Yeah. There are some characteristics that we can look okay. at. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to not know the actual background. But the best thing to do is actually to contact in the first instance police. Mm. Um, they haven't done anything illegally, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but then, then that can put into processes, um, you know, other specialists looking at these, and we're very happy to do that. Yeah. Okay. So moving forward, you believe yeah. that kind of that yeah. con con you, that consult with someone yeah, who, yeah. who understands um, either the origins of the bones or those next steps yeah, of where yeah. to take it. Yeah. Because hopefully in that cremation process they had consolidated with someone else beforehand. I'm not sure if they yeah, did, but yeah. hopefully, yeah. hopefully they had. Yeah. Um, and also, 
Aside from the article, you've had a wee bit of other exciting news today. <laughs> we were talking about this just before off air. You have some other research that has just been released. Do you want to give us a wee, wee talk about that? Sure. <laughs> um, we've just got uh, a paper that's been published, which is a response article to a very um, infamous example of poor science um, in genomic research. Um, where a group of Stanford researchers looked at the genomics of what they thought was an individual with skeletal dysplasia, um, which actually was a normal fetus, um, and their interpretations of the genomic data are quite dubious. So um, we have really done a response on how um, working in a interdisciplinary environment with other anthropologists, archaeologists, local archaeologists can actually help to make sure science is kept in check. Um, <laughs> so hopefully they made sense. <laughs> alien fetus that yeah, had yeah. found apparently. Yeah. Um, did you have any further questions, Raf? You've been sitting quietly in the corner over there. I was going to say I think you've pretty much covered everything. It's just that the whole Freemason culture is very. Uh, notorious in England with the whole, you know, the idea that you walk into a room and you'd lift up your trouser leg and then that's how you knew that you were in the Freemasons mm. and things became more available to you. And the notoriety that that gained in that they had all their members' names written in a book but they aren't allowed to share it because of the secret society nature. Mm. So I can imagine that must lead to more frustration in terms of repatriating perhaps past members' body parts if they were of themselves of Māori descendants overseas. Is, do you know if there is a like a um, like a Maori division of the Freemasons group? Like, not that probably I'm aware not. Of. Don't think so. I think they were deeply racist for a long <laughs> right, time. Right. Okay. But now not. Potem of course. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. of modern society. But yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, I don't imagine. But of course, I'm not. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's right. I mean, I think that the traditions, uh, you know, hold for them and it's oh, yeah. they're being deviant but yeah. they have to realise that if they are dealing with human remains and especially if it's kuiwi tangata kuiwi tangata uh, is a physical embodiment of identity for Māori you know they represent their whakapapa yeah, yeah. and it's abhorrent to have them on display so if there of is course. a Māori member you know how would they feel about exactly that? that's oh, what yeah. I was thinking uh, yeah, yeah. yeah and um, the history of how they would have got kuiwi tangata is problematic there mm. was a lot of stealing and trading in the 19th and early 20th century of kuiwi tangata mm. this is how that how they got them um yeah, and Rachel Wellesley from Otago Museum said to me today, Papa is hugely important. It is the foundation of cultural identity that links you to your whānau, your hapu, your iwi, and to your whenua. Mm. Um, yeah, so to mistreat kōiwi tangata is not only disrespectful from a humanist point of view, it's also akin to insulting a person's whakapapa mm. um, and was traditionally seen as an act of war. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it is... Yeah, it's a bit... It's a bit more than, you know, all that being weird. Here yeah, of remains. course. It's, as you yeah. said, it's deeply problematic. Yeah, yeah, and uh, New Zealand's a, you know, we like to think of it as a bicultural society, multicultural society. Yeah. And I think New Zealanders have a very different view of human remains than, than in Britain, you know. Oh, Lord, yes. And the, the museums, they have human remains um, displayed. In New Zealand, we don't. Yeah. Even as Pākehā, we... Um, Realise the cultural importance of human remains and mm. that they are tapu, they are, you know, mm. sacred. Oh, is that museum wide that we don't have 
yep. human remains. Wow. I mean, we've got the Egyptian mummy, mm-hmm. um, but I think that's probably a little bit different in that oh. they're, they're, they're wrapped, but, you know, that's something interesting to talk about as well. Yeah, go <laughs> a future interview on Wednesday <laughs> Drive, huh? A big thank you to um, Rachel for chatting to us. Uh, she sent a big big email <laughs> with all of her um, thoughts on the topic as well. It's a shame that she couldn't come on today, but she's very busy over at the Otago Museum. Um, and a big thank you to Sean Halcrow for coming so on much. and chatting to us. Thank you so much, Sean. Thanks so much for having me. That um, article is up on the spin-off if you are interested. It is titled Why It's Not Okay for Human Skeletal Remains to Figure in New Zealand Freemason Rituals. And we've just talked about why it is not okay. <laughs> um, but everything is covered on that spin-off article and we will link it on the R1 website.